A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Financial Podcast Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty, and I'm your host and also a CFP, which stands for a Certified Financial Planner, which I'm sure you all know by now, but uh, just in case there's any new listeners. And I'm here today with my guest, Madison. Hi, Madison. Hi. I was super happy. I think one of the things about being on the show is one of the tricky parts um, for most people is coming up with their their fake names. So kudos to you because you were like very prepared with the fake name. Thank you. Give me a task and I will do it. Well, would you like to introduce yourself and tell our listeners um, a little bit about you? So like how old you are, where you live, what you do, all that jazz. Yeah. So my name's Madison. I'm 35. I live in Utah. I am a um, operations coordinator for workman comp claims. Um, in more or less, I process claims for people that need prosthetic and orthotics when they get hurt at work. And I don't make very much. I make about 20000 a year, but the biggest part of my job is that I get great medical insurance. Um, but I uh, ran into a situation where uh, my family passed on and I inherited a bunch of money. So I've been fortunate to be able to live off that for just a little bit to cope coincide with my current income. Um, I do have investments, but I mean, I can always take ideas on how to make more money and figure out how I'm not losing money every day, I guess. Well, it's great that you have health benefits. So that's a huge thing. I feel like we're, we're the same age. And I feel like as you get older, you realize how just important that is to be able to have medical benefits. So that's awesome. So how long have you been at your job? I've been with them six months. Okay. Perfect. And I'm so sorry about um, your family. So you inherited because someone in your family passed away? Um, I had two family members pass away, and I am an only child, only grandchild, so inherently it it came to me. Um, I have a mother, but she's disabled and is on disability and gets uh, benefits from the state, so she is not able to have the money in her name. So I have the money in my name, and I'm, I handle it, and if she needs anything, I'm able to help. But um, at this point, I am the only one with, with the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because you're receiving um, state benefits or federal benefits, so for instance, like Medicaid or anything like that, um, 
if you were to inherit, it could throw you off the program while you have the money. And then when the money runs out, you then you have to requalify to get back into those programs, um, which I, I think a lot of people don't realize. So, you know, if you have someone who has special needs or disability, it's not always best to, for that person to inherit because it could disrupt uh, the programs they're participating in. So when did this all happen? Because that's a big life change. Um, that happened... First family member died about a year ago. Second family member died about eight months ago. Oh, geez. So all really recent. <laughs> yeah, it has been pretty recent. It's been a definitely change in, in life and finances. Um, before this job, I was working something that was a little bit more customer service. And just due to circumstances, I wasn't able to, to do that job anymore. So I did quit for a certain amount of time, but was able to pick up this job that's very task oriented and I I love it's black and white there's no gray um but yeah it's it's all been a, a transition of finances and mental health really yeah so let's go through your budget so do you um are you single oh single uh, yes okay, I'm a homeowner so as well homeowner okay cool um and then so what are your big bills so obviously if you're homeowner mortgage Mortgage. I have a huge HOA. Um, okay. And then just your typical stuff. I do lease a car, so I don't have really anything other than my home that I own. Um, my bills every month come to about $3,600. And then are you, and then can I ask how much did you inherit? And then are you just using that money to, to supplement for now? For part of it, yeah. I inherited almost 300000 and I've diversified it since, but I did take a portion of it and are living off of it. Okay, perfect. And then how did you stru structure everything with the inheritance? Did you title it so that you have a beneficiary on it? Because that's tricky if your mom, with your mom, right, being disabled. Yeah, you know, I, I just actually just recently found out, I, I think it was um, – maybe even talking to you that I I'm working on with a lawyer to get those funds so that they are in a trust. So if something Lord forbid did happen to me that it would be um, put in a trust and somebody else would look over it. Um, we have a very close family friend that um, has agreed to help me. So I'm working actually on that this week. Um, as for everything else, I, I like I said, I diversified. I put um, 100000 into savings. I put 100000 into the stock market. And then I put another 50000 into just a personal checking that um, my it's at the same bank that my mom has. So if she does need something, I can transfer it easily. And then, oh, perfect. Yeah. And then I've actually gone through about 40,000 of that since all of this has happened. So we're down to about 250. 50. Okay. Perfect. But that's smart to diversify. So that makes total sense. You have 100, 100 and 150. So 50s in the bank where your mom's money is. So in case she needs it, you can easily get it to her. And then 100,000 just in a high yield savings. Mm -hmm. Correct. Perfect. And then 100,000 invested. Correct. That's perfect. Oh, I think sometimes hey. there, yeah, there some. I think that I always err on the side of being more conservative. You can always put more money in the market down the, you know, there's never like if the window doesn't close. Like in two years, you, it's not like you can't put more money in the market. So I always think it's better to err on the side of caution and have more cash available, um, especially since, you know, your mom's disabled. So she might need some money, right? For her so that you have that money in the bank account for her and then you have the bulk of it 
you know, another portion in a savings account is really prudent. And then dipping your toe into the market with, you know, what was about a third of what you inherited is smart. Always better to be more conservative, I think. Thank you. I, I've always, I was a little nervous about it because I've never dabbled in the stock market and I, uh, I was actually just in line at my credit union and I noticed one of their policies says it wasn't insured on anything over a hundred thousand and I just deposited 250,000. So it really got me thinking, oh, well, shoot. <laughs> um, and I'm glad I did because right after that, the whole pandemic thing happened. So um, yeah, no, it was a read your signs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, and as you're getting more, I think, you know, if you hadn't been versed in the stock market before and then to inherit a large sum of money can be overwhelming for multiple reasons, but one, because if it's not something you've done before. So I always think it's better to be cautious and take your time, um, rather than rush into anything. And, uh, you know, that a lot of the old adages are true. So like, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. <laughs> I feel like the basic yeah. it sounds really silly but it's really it's really true like I was just reading a New York Times article um about I believe it was on exchange traded notes and um the article was referencing two people had that had put all of their money in these specific investments and then the investments didn't do well well then all of their money didn't do well right and like it seems really simple to diversify um but then sometimes when in practice people don't follow it, but it's a really good tenant of personal finance of, you know, reading all the signage, number one, and then also, you know, not putting all your eggs in one basket. So you have one in your mom's bank and then you have the hundred thousand in the savings and then a hundred thousand in the stock market. So then, you know, God forbid if what you said with the pandemic, no one anticipated having a global pandemic. So had you need it, if you had put everything in the stock market and then needed it back, and the oh. pandemic had just hit it, well, it would be at a much lower value than what you had originally put in. So it's always good to have that cash available. I will say, you know, with with getting that money, I, I definitely went into a panic mode at first. And there was definitely a good four or five months where I held on to it really tightly because I was so intimidated and so scared. And I didn't want to... It was like holding a fragile baby. I, I just I didn't know what to do. And and after a little while, after the the fear of it finally came off, I think I finally got the confidence in talking to people. And you know, and sometimes you just have to have those really awkward money conversations, but do it with the people that you trust. And I really got a good insight to what other people were doing, and 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 it really helped kind of bring up these options of what I'm currently doing now. So. So I think it's very normal to be very overwhelmed and intimidated. And Absolutely. I mean, I think that's very common. And then I think it's good that, because um, we had talked a little bit offline about this, but um, when you have that amount of money, even though you're young, um, it's important of how, how it's titled. And we don't talk a ton about that on the podcast. But so for our listeners, that means that even though this money um, is non-retirement for the most part, right? So with titling with non-retirement, you don't have to have a beneficiary. So you can open up the account and never put a beneficiary on it. But I think it's really important if you have a beneficiary to list one because then it skips probate, meaning that it doesn't go through the court system if, God forbid, anything should happen to you. Um, but in your case, with your mom um, being disabled and not really being um, a person who can, in, uh, can inherit because of her current situation, uh, a trust makes sense, you know, consulting an attorney and, well, I can't say a trust for for certain because I'm not an attorney, but 
consulting with an attorney about whether or not a trust makes sense would be a good step. And it sounds like you've already taken care of that so that the money wouldn't just end up in limbo if God forbid something happened to you. Or she lose her benefits that we've worked so many years to get her. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a quite a process to get people um, on the benefit system. We've had that with a few clients. So it's really important that she doesn't inherit that. Because then if you're not there to help her, you know, how would she get back on the on the in the programs that she's in? Right. So good. So I'm glad. So you're, you're meeting with someone and you're taking care of you know, that, and most likely you don't need that, right? Obviously the statistics on a 35 year old passing away are really low, but it's better to be prudent and protect it so that God forbid something happened to you, that the money goes to whom you want to, and doesn't end up in, you know, getting eaten away by lawyer fees or in a court fight or anything like that. Right. And especially being an only child and not having at least a sibling that you could put on a bank account or something. I think it's really important to have that, Hopefully that backup, hopefully it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, it definitely takes some thought process because I feel like the default for choosing is like a sibling or a parent. And if that's not an option, then you have to, you know, be cautious about who you're going to choose. And, and it sounds like you have a family, uh, family friend that you're close with that you can, that will, you know, take on that role for you, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. I am thankful. <laughs> Any other financial questions? Um, I wanted to know what your input on leases are. Obviously, I leased a car and I'd never done that before. And I I don't know that that was the smartest choice, but um, I guess maybe just for that moment. But I'm, I'm curious to know what your input on that on car leases are. So I'm not opposed to car leases, depending on the situation. So, for instance, if you're a low mileage driver. Um, so you're not putting a ton of miles on it. I think a lease can work out in your favor. Um, also because then usually a lot of the maintenance is covered, okay. right? Cause it usually goes in every six months and they, you know, do an oil change and they check on everything. And then there's tends to be less maintenance upkeep on the car. Yeah. I think that if you're a high mileage driver, you're better off owning the car. Um, so I think it depends on, on your situation in, in that regard. So I, you know, a lot of our clients buy and then they buy one car and then they continue to kind of make a payment to themselves so that they have money available to buy their next car when that car, you know, is done. Um, I'm, I'm a very low mileage driver. I put very, very few miles on my car. I also don't love cars. You know, I don't know a lot about them, so I would always be paying to get them fixed. So I personally have done a lease. Um, and I think that works really well for me. And so when I see other people who are low mileage drivers, you know, you put, because leases can be affordable when you're not going over the minimum number of miles. And uh, to give you an example, usually a uh, standard lease is for the cheapest lease is for like under 10,000 miles a year. Okay. Yeah. I think I got. And then where they really. Okay. 12,000. Yeah. And so we're, and, and that's fine. Um, I, you just pay more for the lease, the more mileage for those aren't familiar. You just pay more for the lease for the more mileage. So I'm actually not opposed to leases. Um, I think it really just comes down to like, what is your budget for a car? And so you don't want to be, cause you're, you don't own it. So you don't want to be spending too much of your monthly income on a car payment. That is a mistake. I see a lot of people make when you look at their budget and then what they're spending on a car lease or, you know, car payment where they've, 
you know, there's benchmarks for how much you should spend on housing based on income, how much you spend on a car. So something like that, I think that's more important than whether it's a lease or you're buying it. So I'm not, I am not opposed to them. That's great advice. Can I have, can I ask one more question? Yeah, you can ask as many questions as you'd like. (laughs) Awesome. So obviously I, I have, uh, I have a credit card debt. Um, it's about $11,000. I've paid it down with some of that money that I did inherit, but I did keep it open because I don't know, something I felt like I learned in economics of having, having debt to income. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering if, if I do just pay it off and have my own, my mortgage is just my debt. Uh, yeah, I would, I'll just take a guess that the interest rate that on the credit card is higher than the bank is paying you. Yes. Yeah. So they, I would definitely take it out. Yeah. <laughs> Cause interest rates are so low right now. So I would, yeah, I would absolutely um, use the money from the bank and then pay it off. So then you're not paying any interest on it. Definitely. Yeah. And then mortgage interest in mortgage interest, mortgage debt is a good debt and, and typically it's pretty low. Do you yeah. remember what your mortgage uh, rate is? Uh, 4.5. Perfect. You might even be able to refinance that now, given where rates are. Unfortunately, I did try and do that, but I can't because my debt to, I don't make enough. At least it doesn't show I do, even though I have money, I don't make enough to support my, my bill, my mortgage, (laughs) more or less. Yeah. yeah. So I don't qualify for, I don't qualify for much. So I don't, and I have a great credit score. I have like a 715, but I don't know that I can actually get approved for anything. No, you're right. Because um, so what they look look at, which is super interesting for mortgages, is they only really, I mean, they look at your debt to income ratio. Absolutely. And they look at what you have saved, but they absolutely look at income. And um, like, so for instance, I had a client that was an entrepreneur. He sold a business for a significant amount of money and but wanted to take out a mortgage because mortgage rates were low so that made sense and they would not you know they will not give a mortgage if you don't have enough w2 income wow okay so yes yeah so that makes sense um but something to keep in the back of your mind i do think that mortgage rates will be low for a bit okay good to know i I think i'm hoping they stay down Yeah. And and a 4.5% mortgage rate is still really low. Um, I think a lot of our listeners probably have heard me tell the story, but when my dad took out his first mortgage, it was 18%. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just to get a little better. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like all relative. So like I, when I was doing my mortgage, I think I'm at 3.7, 3.75. And, um, I was like really, really wanting 3.5. Like I really, really, really want it. My dad was just like, my mortgage was 18%. Like you're doing fine. Like 3.75 is great. Yeah. It's all relative, but also back then you could also put money in a bank. And I think the banks were paying you about the same rate on it, you know, on your money. So True. the banks are paying you nothing, but then the benefit of that is that the mortgage rates are really low right now. Awesome. Well, I think those are officially my questions. <laughs> Right. And then you don't have any student loan debt. I don't. So the only thing that, perfect. Okay. So then the only thing that you'll have once you pay off the credit card is your mortgage, which is good debt because you're building equity with that. Yeah, that would be it. Perfect. So yeah, I think you're on the right track then. So I would just be working with an attorney just to have documents drafted so that, you know, if God forbid anything happened to you, the money goes 
where you want it to and that whoever is going to be overseeing the, the investment, um, you know, would be available there for your mother. If, you know, the likelihood of something happening to you is very slim, but I think it's definitely better and worth paying to have that professional advice so that you can have the peace of mind. So, and you're already working on that. So I feel like you've checked all the boxes then. Awesome. So I'm an A plus student. Yes. You're an A plus student. Yes. You're, yes. <laughs> but this is, this is, personality. <laughs> yeah. But this is really interesting because um, they've been saying this, um, that with the baby boomers um, passing away, the millennials, and I guess technically we're like elder millennials, you and I, um, will be inheriting money. So this is going to be something that I think a lot of people are going to be running up against because it can be overwhelming. You know, it's terrible to lose a family member and then can be overwhelming in the same regard that then you, if you inherit about how you handle the money, what to do with it and and how to invest it and all of those questions that come along with it. Yeah. And I think especially, like you say, this age, I, I don't know too many people that have to go through this at this age. And so, but I mean, as just to your point, I, I think it's very true. I mean, my family member that died was only 63. So, I mean, it's, it, yeah, I, I completely agree. And yeah, no, your advice is awesome. Good. Yeah. So, well, we appreciate you having on, on the show and sharing your story and I, you are on the right track. So A plus. Well, thank you so much, Barbara. You're welcome. And for all of our lovely listeners, you can follow along at um, Financial on Instagram. That's our most up-to-date information. And then also you can check out our classes, which are in partnership with SUNY Ulster at www.planancial.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.